told you all from day one that I would never stop. Unlike y'all rapping about having things you don't got. How about a round of applause? I'm killing fake rappers. The one that claim that they men but can't change pampers. They only mad cause I'm better than them. They say I sound like Marshall. Well, tell it to him cause I don't give a off. One gold plaque is good. Something I can feel proud to take back to the hood. Anybody from my city trying to talk this shit about me don't even know who the fuck I be. They're not around me to speculate. Stop watching me. Go and get your cake, man. Don't bother me. It's been a long time coming. People asking where the fuck I've been. Like when my brother died, y'all should have asked me then. They only love me cause I'm grinding again. But where the fuck for y'all when I needed a friend? I know that you think I am changed. I know that you think I'm the same. Some things will never change. No, that's why I. Wanna know how the hell I possess a skill this ill? Like, who's a Jibway dude? Is he real? Nah, man, I'm fake like a make believe. Living in America with a maple leaf, to say the least. I ain't give a f about Trump. I roll up as much blunts as I want. Punk ain't no stopping me. I'm up here, you're down there, don't talk to me. And that's how it's got to be. Everybody wants free shit, but they don't wanna work for it. Why you gotta play? Cause I murdered every verse for it. Told labels I ain't really tryna sign with them Unless it's cool work, yeah, I confide in them Shout out to John Kane at Let's Talk Native Off CNN, they don't give a fuck about a native There, I said it Now don't say I'm racist to cover up the cases I'm missing and murder women that been go for ages Hello, I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Tuesday, August 6th Hey, that's my wife's birthday Happy birthday, my wife, Brenda while this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We don't do prayers or buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at our history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us. And we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people that the audio streams live at www.letstalknative.com. We stream live video of the show on Facebook Live. We take the audio and we put it up on SoundCloud, which goes to any of your any and all of your favorite podcast platforms. We take the video and we put it up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. I encourage people to subscribe to both the podcasts on whichever platform and to our, our YouTube channel so you can catch all our videos, including the videos of this show. It's the best way to watch the show, short of watching it live. So uh, I encourage you to do so. I am the host of Let's Talk Native, and I'm assisted in studio by Jake Proud, who is managing our video and our sound. <sighs> all right. <laughs> I, you know, we did a show last Saturday, and obviously Saturday was a uh, was quite a day for uh, white boys killing people. And... Turns out, the the white supremacist specifically, the one who decided he wanted to kill a bunch of brown people uh, in uh, in El Paso, posted this big manifesto, you know, uh, praising his white supremacy. Which, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that, uh, about what really is this uh, this ideology, and how very little of it has to do with the belief that they are superior, and actually how it's more tied up into their own fragility and their own lack of security of who they are and 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 faith in who they are but um he cited the native experience in his manifesto now if you haven't read the whole thing i know it's hard to find copies now but i know it's been posted up in various places 
the way that he he cited native people was he made the case that native people did not take the european invasion seriously and that's why we suffered the genocide that we suffered so he's using the native experience with white people as an excuse on why white people should be more aggressive towards brown people that that he's calling uh, invaders uh, to his land. So he is literally, and, and I tell you, although this sounds nuts and sounds crazy, let me remind people that if you talk to people in different places, including other Native people, out West, I've heard it said many times that those folks out West think that the Native people on the East Coast um, contributed by not killing white people the moment they stepped off their ships. They they actually cast a little blame, or maybe more than just a little blame, they actually cast blame at the East Coast Native people, including the Haudenosaunee, for not taking a more aggressive stance uh, when, when Europeans showed up on our shores. So they cast a blame that we didn't... Um, uh, fight off the invasion until and then of course when it comes on the doorstep of the uh of the Lakota and so many other people as they uh, as ever the, the Ohio basin the Mississippi basin the the plains and all of that other that somehow if we had nipped it at the, uh in the bud it would have um it would have made all the difference now so when i hear a white supremacist today citing that as an excuse for killing Mexicans, indigenous people, mind you. you know, we, we say Mexicans, we say Latinos or Latina or Latinx, we say Hispanic, we say Chicano, we say whatever we say. When we're talking about brown people, regardless of the fact that they may be speaking Spanish, that's not their indigenous language. That's a language Im- imposed by, you know, by oppression, by genocide. The fact that so many of the native languages, especially from people from Central and South America, were, have been destroyed, that was destroyed by the church and destroyed by Spain and so many others. But if they're brown people, they are indigenous people because Spanish people aren't brown. They're white people. They're from Europe. So if, you, if, if you're talking about brown people who may be living in the United States and, and, and people are calling them Mexicans, they're really indigenous people. And keep in mind that before the United States claimed much of the southwest it was considered part of mexico so many of the people who are living in el paso or or coming back and forth uh, you know across um the mexican border into el paso you have to understand that that pattern of migration the word el paso that's what it means it means a pass a passage a place that people pass back and forth that's what the, the name of the city means in spanish so for this this scared little white man, this coward of a white man to cite native the genocide, the American genocide as the reason that he has to somehow shoot soft targets as he as he uh, you know as he described them, people shopping in Walmart. Yeah, you're a real war hero you are. But we need to talk about this. And we need to talk about this not just because we got cited in their manifesto. Because 
I got into it uh, with with somebody uh, on one of the group pages, Indian Country Today, I think, or Indian Country uh, News from Indian Country. I got into it when I had posted a post that had nothing to do with immigration. Some guy who claimed to be Dene, who was referring to these invaders, sounded just like these white guys. So I mean, maybe the guy is a white guy. I don't know. But I got into it mixing it up on uh, on Facebook with with this guy who was sounding exactly like these white supremacists calling these people coming in uh, across the Mexican border invaders like like it was an assault like it was an armed invasion like it was an attack of some sort he wasn't referring to white people as being the invaders or his oppressors he seemed to be more concerned so this is a native guy so when I'm having this conversation I, I just want people to understand that that there there are a lot of forces at play and and native people, we are caught oftentimes right in the middle of it. We get asked that question. Well, how would you deal with immigration? Would native people be willing to take uh, um, uh, take asylum uh, refugees uh, refugees into your territories? Well, what the hell do you think we've been doing for five hundred years? I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, we could have killed the first white man stepping off of his ship. And in fact, when Columbus uh returned after uh, after his first voyage into the Caribbean when he came back everybody was gone they were all dead so there there was some aggression that was uh, uh that the white people inspired out of our people why because they mistreated because they abused they oppressed they they tortured and humiliated and disfigured did all kinds of terrible things and it wasn't just the spanish i mean the jamestown colony um plymouth rock all of it all Plymouth Colony, all of it. So, it's not like we didn't mount resistance. And in fact, when when these colonists decided they were going to uh, fight for their independence from uh, from Great Britain, and and again, I talked about this during uh, during the Fourth of July week. It's got to be made clear that it, this wasn't about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness uh, uh, for all people just for white rich people who were trying to break away from Great Britain. And why were they trying to break away? Well, I'll tell you why they were trying to break away. Because they wanted to keep their slaves. Slavery was an issue, yes, not just in the Civil War, but in the Revolutionary War. And they wanted to go in and grab more native lands, something that, that King George wasn't um, was wary of. I'm not saying King George didn't have designs on that land himself. He wanted to temper it and do it in a way that was was going to cause as little conflict as possible. He was all for subjugating Native people. But he wanted to do it in such a way that the people became willing subjects of the British crown, not conquered people. That was the view of King George. So the idea of, of moving into the Native territories would have been something that he would have done through he he would have rather done it through diplomacy rather than through aggression, and the colonists no they weren't having it they 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 saw the wealth that they could get with free land and free labor, and that's why that's the that is one of the main contributing factors into uh, as as to the 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 war of independence, including the Declaration of Independence, and again you can go through it and, and read it through now. There's something else that, that's tied directly to what's, what's transpired over this weekend. The Second Amendment. All of these Second Amendment uh, nut jobs who you know, 
you know, who think that uh, that they that the, the the Bill of Rights gives them the right to to almost have unlimited access to guns, and not just guns, guns, arms. Keep in mind, you know, at the time when that's written, they had crappy firearms, muskets, if you will. They didn't have nuclear weapons. They didn't have bazookas. They didn't have, uh, you know, service-to-air missiles or, or, you know, heat-seeking missiles. None of this stuff. None of this stuff. If you want to take literally what the Second Amendment says, which is not about individuals just having the right for personal protection. No, that's not what the Second Amendment says. It says that it's about having a well-armed militia, a well-regulated militia. Because why? Because they didn't have a standing army. The whole idea was to have the the people at a moment's notice be able to um, gather uh, um, to form an army if, if need be to fight off tyranny. So that's what the Second Amendment says. But why did they even have the Second Amendment? Well, it wasn't like there was some strict, um, uh, some restriction on people having guns, colonists having guns. So why did they even have it in there? Well, Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, who wrote uh, Loaded, the, um, the the true story of the Second Amendment, she makes the case that, and, and it's, it's ironic, but she makes the case that the Second Amendment and the push for the Second Amendment in the Bill of Rights had more to do with encouraging colonists to have guns at their hands available to them because of black people and native people. Yeah. Because they wanted to be able to control an, a growing black population, slave population, and to have the upper hand. So whether this was, you know, um, going off to catch runaway slaves or, you know, uh, you know, slave patrols or whatever else, they wanted them to be armed for that. But also, because they were going to be ever encroaching onto native territories, they wanted to make sure they could kill, uh, everybody could be armed to the teeth to kill native people and take more lands. So this is the case that Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, she's, she's the author of uh, An Indigenous People's uh, um, uh, uh, the History of the United States, An Indigenous History of the United States, An Indigenous People's History of the United States, and um, 20, all, all the real Indians died off and 20 other myths about uh, Native Americans. So she's written on the subject, but she takes a stab, uh, no pun intended, uh, at uh, at gun at the gun issue, the Second Amendment, because there's this there's this twisted view that that this was about making guns available to everybody, and it wasn't. This is about arming white people because of the because of the threat that Native people and Black people represented to them. So right from the start. So when I hear somebody say, say like, wow, this, this thing, this tragedy that took place in El Paso or in, in Dayton or in you know, Gilroy, that's, that's not the America that I know. Well, it's the America that I know. That is American history repeating itself over and over and over again. So while everybody, while, while some people can get out, outraged and, and, you know, the Republicans can all, you know, show their crocodile tears about, uh, you know, what a heartbreak this was and that we we need to um you know not tolerate hate yeah trump's version of not tolerating hate is getting rid of people all the people that he hates then you don't have to tolerate hate 
Just get rid of the people. Send them, you know, get get them. Just keep the white people. Anybody who has an axe to grind, anybody who has a history of oppression, who may seek reparations or some other uh, restitution or or you know, correction, anybody who may want to even out that that injustice, we're going to call those haters. And we're going to get rid of them. And so when when you get some, you know, some 20-year-old or 21-year-old who's feeling like they're getting their marching orders from the President of the United States, who's already been, he's joked about shooting Mexicans, who's he's joked about kicking the ass of somebody who doesn't agree with him, promised that he'd be pay, uh, you know, pay legal expenses if somebody you know, uh, kick the crap out of somebody at one of his, one of his events calls down people of color. Tell, you know, whether it's the, the, you know, the four, um, women of color who are in Congress telling them that they don't, you know, uh, to go back to the, to the, the crime, you know, the crappy countries that they come from. They come from this country folks, as much as, uh, as much as Donald Trump does. A guy who calls, you know, would condemn Baltimore calling it a rat-infested city, a place that no human being would want to live. So in other words, you're saying the people who do live there are not human. That's a funny thing because that's what you need to do before you start pulling the trigger. You got to dehumanize the people. So, I mean, and from a Native perspective, here's something that is really kind of odd and awkward at the same time. Because we have, Native people have folks on the left New Agers who just, oh, I love your spirituality. I love, you know, I love your culture and that kind of stuff. We have those folks, right? The, the you know, the, you know, the New Agers, I guess, is the best way to describe them. The hippies, I guess. But not only do we have the hippies way out on the left who, you know, who have an affinity towards us, but way on the right, you know, the, the you know, people consider the rednecks or even the bikers or whatever else they love native people too why because of the tough and rugged and the virile the, the very thing that they reason they use us for mascots on their football helmets and on their their high school teams that fierce noble savage oh yeah they all want to claim to have some of that so on the left you have oh i just love your spirituality oh it's it's so deep and it's so meaningful oh i just love i love your culture yeah, we have that on the left, and then on the right we have. Oh, we love the fact that you that you that you fight for your your survival. So everybody wants to th- pretend that they are these rugged individuals, but you know, here's the here's the truth. They're not. The left doesn't really give a rat's ass about our uh, our spirituality. They don't. They don't. But otherwise, they would learn more about who we are instead of trying to take it and then jam it together with Hinduism or or Taoism or Buddhism or or communism or whatever else or Christianity Baha'i or whatever else they want to do and then they, they say well we, yeah, we, we kind of remade your culture into something that fits for us well thank you very much for that and then on the right we have those that would you know love the idea of the rugged noble savage but at the same time we experience racism from both ends of that spectrum because Racism isn't a right thing, it's a white thing. 
Yeah, and I know I've said it before, and I've said it a bunch of times on this show. White supremacy. Everybody knows that's not true. They all know it. I mean, white people know that they are not genetically superior, that they aren't racially or genetically superior to anybody. They know it. But they've enjoyed white privilege because of the foundation that they laid of white supremacy. So they've enjoyed, you know, a, a disproportionate amount of power, control, wealth, privilege, a disproportionate amount of, and they, and they've had it for hundreds and hundreds of years all over the globe. South Africa, India, Australia, Asia, Europe, <laughs> North and South America. They've enjoyed this privilege. And in fact, you, you go to places like, like Brazil. doesn't matter what percentage of the Brazilian population are people of color, are brown or black. Their parliament, still mostly white. So they've enjoyed this privilege. But they know it's not going to last. So this trajectory of, of white supremacy to white privilege, the next step, is white fragility. It's fear. This guy doesn't go down to El Paso and, and shoot a bunch of women and children because he's brave. He's, he's scared. All these people on the right, that's what they're, they're scared. They know they're not superior, but they do know that there's going to be some payment due. There's some payback coming for all of the oppression, for all of the injustices that white people, years of lynching people, years of of rape, the rape culture, missing and murdered indigenous women that we're still experiencing today. The disproportionate um, justice, I mean, the, the disparity in justice and income, in quality of life, that is policy-driven. Not going to last forever, and not, and not just because places like Texas have, are, are finally have more uh, uh, Hispanic uh, uh, population than white population. Not just because of the the population shift, but because we are becoming empowered. Look, Native people, not counting the indigenous people who claim to be Hispanic, Latina, Latinx, or Chicano, whatever, but people who identify themselves as Native people. I don't want to say Native Americans or Indians, but the people who identify as we still will never represent a big a big number. But you know what we do represent? Trouble. We represent trouble because we're willing to fight for our lands. We're, we're willing to fight for, for um for their environment. And the reason we're willing to fight for the lands and the environment is because we're willing to fight for our future generations. Not just our children, not just our grandchildren. We're we're willing to fight for those spaces we will never see. The seven generations, eight generations, nine generations. We're willing to fight for, for justice. And not just for our children. Not just for the, the, the human beings that we'll never see. But for the rest of creation. We're willing to fight for that. We understand the relationship between creation. Something white people have never understood. They've always looked at, at the world. I mean, th- their Bible, their, their Genesis says, subdue the earth. 
and all the creatures. That's what the Bible says. I don't, I mean, at least that's the way King James had it translated. So they believe everything on this planet is for them. And when I say for them, I mean, I mean, yeah, for white people, white Christians. But, it, but that is for man. That all of the animals, all of the rest of creation, the only reason it's there is to serve man and specifically to serve white men. That's why they they could justify slavery. I mean, look, they could put words in, in their in their documents like all men are created equal and endowed by the creator with certain unalienable rights, including life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They could say those things and never never mean it. Because it was about them. So when we talk about white supremacy now, we aren't really talking about white supremacy. Look, that's what they claim. See, that's what a white supremacist claims. They, they keep saying that, they, that they're entitled. But the reality is they're scared. They're, they're cowards. If you walk into a McDonald's with an with a AR-15 or an AK-47 over your shoulder, that's not because you're brave. It's because you're chicken shit. If you can abuse a woman or a child... If you if you adopted the rape culture, it's not because you're brave. It's because you're a coward. And you're searching for somebody that you can use your superior strength or not necessarily strength, power. You know you can you can shoot a Mexican because you won't be prosecuted for it. Because the system is catering to you. You know you can lynch a black man because you're not going to get you're not going to get charged. You know you can you can kidnap and murder a, a native woman because nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to care what you do to somebody of color. But we're all fighting back. Black lives matter. Idle no more. We're fighting back. So these few cowards that are willing to put on a bunch of body armor, strap themselves up with a bunch of uh, automatic weapons or semi-automatic weapons with a bunch of, you know, uh, magazine clips that, you know, so they can fire off a bunch of rounds and kill as many people. And then this coward, the same one who cited Native people in his manifesto says, well, I won't be taken alive. He laid down and cried like a little girl. I take it back. I don't want to speak that ill of a little girl. He, he, he packed up and gave up without a fight. Why? Because he doesn't have any fight in him. These are cowards. And then there's cowards in Washington. The Mitch McConnells. The the Donald Trumps. The entire GOP. And it's not just the, the ones on the right. The ones on the left too. Hey, we're at the bottom of the hour, so we'll take a break when we come back. But no, we're going to go through a little bit more of this. You need to understand what's at play here. The whole relationship between guns and white fragility and why it's going to continue the way uh, to be out of hand for quite some time. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll be back in a few minutes.
This is John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native, and it is, uh, again, it's August 6th, uh, my wife's birthday, so again, I want to give a shout-out to my wife, Brenda, who who shares the show, and uh, and I want to thank those of you who, who share the show by reposting the show on uh, Facebook group pages, and I, look, I really appreciate when you guys do it, when listeners do it, because when I post, when I share the show, I happen to get locked out of Facebook um, quite often, I'm in Last month I got locked out three times. I got I got locked out over the uh, the the beginning or over the weekend, as a matter of fact. And I'm not even sure what what I'm doing, but I know it has to do with sharing the show. So the more of you who share this show on fa- the Facebook group pages and 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 again, whether you you share the podcast or the the YouTube videos, the more the the conversation gets out there. And you know, and I got to say this all the time. I'm going to talk about a perspective that I get by being involved in understanding our circumstance. This is what I do. Now, 
you may not agree with some of the, I mean, even what I'm talking about here. Look, if, if you get a chance to read the manifesto from this uh, this uh, nut out now uh, from Dallas who went out to El Paso to kill a bunch of you know uh, innocent people, then uh, you'll you'll know what I'm saying, you know, what I'm talking about. But this whole idea that that promoting gun ownership was tied to um, keeping control over slaves and over over native people, I mean, including taking native lands. That goes back. That's that's just historical. That's just history. You're not going to read about it in your history class, but if you bother researching it, you'll find this stuff out to be true. Now, and I realize not everybody's going to agree with this. Uh, some of the things that I that I talk about here. So, I put these issues out there, and I and I voice them, and I voice them strongly. And if you have a question, if you don't agree, then do your own research. And I look forward to your comments. Look, I like I said, I I mixed it up pretty good with, with, with somebody who would decided to take a post that had nothing to do with immigration, and uh, and turn it into you know why the Diné, and he wanted to speak as if he was speaking for the entire Navajo uh, people, um, were resisting these these folks from coming uh, from camping and sleeping and and moving onto their territories. You know, and, and I'm sure it was pretty remote territories anyway. It's not like they were taking over their villages. But um, the idea that he was using some of the same language that white supremacists use every time they look at the other. The fact that he was not, he would not refer to white people as the invaders, but would refer to uh, people seeking asylum, people trying to pursue their own safety and security. And look, uh, like I said, you don't have necessarily agree with the perspective that I offer here. But it's a conversation that needs to be had. And I think people need to understand that there's a strange relationship that Americans have with Native people. It's like this love-hate kind of, you know, love-to-own-you um, ideology they have. That's why they have, you know, try to use us for their mascots. That's why they... They become enamored with with native designs and native prints, tribal this and tribal that. Now look at the tattoos. Everybody's got these tribal tattoos running across their bodies. That was, you know, it's all, all of that. So there's there's this this strange kind of affinity or you know lure, I guess, allure that that white people have towards native people on the left and on the right. But, the, but what neither one of them wants is us to be a free people. They don't want to see empowered Native people. They want to take from us. They don't want us to, to take back anything ourselves. So when I look at what these white supremacists, or what they call, white, or what people call white supremacists, but what I call, I call them white cowards. Because that, that's what they are. They're scared. And you have an entire wing of the political spectrum that, that shares in that sentiment. That's why they do the fear-mongering that they do. And, I'm, and again, I'm not saying the left doesn't do it too. But that's the th- whole idea. You stoke the fears. You keep you know, the people committed to a constant state of aggression, whether it's aggression internationally or whether it's aggression at your borders, whether it's aggression in the cities, whether it's aggression in your sex life, 
that's i mean i mean that's that's what's encouraged that's the culture that is you know if you were to try to break down what what is the american culture i mean they don't really have their own they don't even have their own language i mean they speak funny they speak they don't speak the the, the king's english but they they don't even have their own language so what is the american culture well if you look at it historically and again there's nothing more frustrating to me than when i hear somebody say oh that's not the america that i know putting kids in cages the hell it isn't you've been locking up kids in cages uh, since columbus showed up you've been locking up chinese folks in cages you've been locking up japanese folks in cages you've been locking up native people in cages and in residential schools and in in foster homes and mistreating and abusing and um sterilizing and raping and all kinds of other stuff that's that's the american culture that's the american culture so when you think that what american culture is what freedom like hell for who make america great again the good old days well what the hell were the good old days you know and it's so twisted and so embedded on the way in to, to do the show today I'm, i listened to you know the the news on npr and i heard a statement that, that talked about trump's new sanctions against uh, venezuela and they said trump was committed to throwing all the full weight of the United States to restore democracy to Venezuela but they uh, but has but has failed what the hell are they anyway talking about and they, these are the NPR reporters saying this Guaido wasn't democratically elected and and the idea that that he claimed to be president based on you know uh the 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 uh succession um in in the venezuelan constitution that's a load of crap too he would have been third or fourth down the line and only if certain things had happened with the with the president or the vice president who were both democratically elected look i granted the united states doesn't like maduro he they didn't like chavez either but they were still democratically elected. So when I hear NPR, the liberal media, claiming that the United States wanted to throw the full weight and resources of the United States to restore democracy to Venezuela, like hell they do. No, they don't. You know who they want to restore power to? The white Venezuelans. Yeah, the white Venezuelans. The ones who went to Harvard. The ones who are part of the american system that's why they didn't like maduro or, or chavez that's why they they hated fidel castro i mean it's fine to talk about dictators but <laughs> chavez wasn't a dictator he was elected the united states in 2002 attempted a coup against him and failed and right now the, the united states is attempting another coup and why do they do this? Because they don't want to see native people, people, indigenous people, people who are really concerned about their country and their people succeed. They want 
have an American-style capitalism do what they did to Puerto Rico or Hawaii in all of these in all these countries. So the rich, the white rich people of America, of the United States, so they can make their money. Every place, every place. Mitch McConnell, his family's involved in international global trade. You think he makes his money as a senator? Hardly. These guys use their positions of power to make themselves more money. Just, just the bottom line. And and white people, the vast majority of white people, will never live the affluent lifestyles of Donald Trump or Mitch McConnell. Never. Or any of the folks running for president. No, they never will. But you know what? They're still going to be drawn to a white man who can encourage them as white people and and try to convince them, oh, no, no, hold back on your, your fear. Your fear should not be based on your own inferiority. Your fear should be based on the threats from the others. So you, you promote this idea of white supremacy and the only reason it takes hold is because of the fear that white people have that someday they're going to have to pay for, the, for everything they've done globally to indigenous people all over the world. That's what white fragility is. Now, look, I'm not saying every white person is, is you know, evil. I'm not suggesting that. In fact, I think the whole idea, you know, of good and evil is, is frankly, that's a white man's concept. We, I mean, in in our culture, when we talk about skana, it doesn't mean just peace. It means balance. And balance isn't just a subject. It isn't just a noun. Balance is something that, that flows and so the idea of maintaining and pursuing and restoring balance and harmony is what skana means. So it's not about good versus evil. Sometimes there are things that happen. I mean, is is a storm evil? Is a hurricane evil? Is cancer evil? Or is it a response? Is it a natural response to something that maybe we did something we did to make the land toxic or our food toxic is some of this extreme weather nature pushing back to what we're doing to the to the atmosphere to the you know to the land to the water to the air pretty good chance of it it's not about good versus evil it's about every system tries to balance itself. Man does not. Man tries to create an imbalance of power, an imbalance of wealth, an imbalance of pleasure. That's what man does. Why? It says it right in their Bible. Subdue the earth. That's what it says. So make everything B 
beneath you. There's no way in nature that man. I mean, look, we have we have we have an uncanny ability to to reason and think things through, rationalize, invent, create. We have we have a, a power to create. But that doesn't mean that we are supposed to reign over all of creation because we can't create anything compared what to, to the power of creation. Look, we can make computers. We can create art and music and, and all kinds of beautiful things. We can do, we can do incredible things. We can't create an ocean. We can't create a mountain. We can destroy one. We need to restore balance. And unfortunately, when you've had such an imbalance, a disproportionate imbalance that has favored one group of people, not even necessarily the majority, because white people were not the majority, or are not the majority. I mean, in the United States, they might be. But globally? Nah. And they certainly were in, in Africa. And they reigned with brutal oppression as a minority over, over black people in their own homelands. And they did it in India. They did it, did it in Australia. They did it everywhere. Asia, everywhere. Now, as white people slowly slip from the majority in the United States, they're still going to be overwhelmingly the largest group of people. Uh, to, if you're going to break people down by race, I guess, or by skin color. But that fear that somehow a state like Texas might go from red to blue. I mean, the fear that white people had when Barack Obama got elected, I mean, I'm not not even going to weigh in on his presidency, but just the mere color of his skin and the color of his wife's skin and his children's skin, that scared the crap out of white people. That's why the Tea Party um, developed. And as a response, that's why these whites, these militias and white supremacy groups, that's why they came, they they grew, they doubled, tripled, quadrupled. The biggest threat to, to, to American people is domestic terrorism. Not fundamentalist, you know, uh, you know, Islamic fundamentalist Christian fundamentalist that's the biggest fear and look these mass shootings they still don't represent as much gun violence as um, individual you know uh, gun violence you know just one on one and I'm not just talking about uh, urban you know, gun violence I'm not just talking about gang stuff because it's in- interesting when when a black person kills you know is is somehow prosecuted or condemned as a um as a shooter 
they're always associated with being, you know, just an evil person, a gang member. You know, we'll, we'll listen to people say, "Oh, yeah, it's because of, you know they're they're just a bunch of animals." That's what Joe Biden calls them. That's what Donald Trump calls them. I mean, that's what Hillary Clinton called them. Super predators. I mean, when you talk about a predator, you're talking about an animal. So that's what, you know, that's what all these white people call them. Predators. Animals. But when a white person kills a bunch of people, it's, oh, they must have been radicalized by something. They must have been, had a mental illness. They must have been suffering from depression. You know, there are plenty of depressed people in the United States that don't kill people. It isn't just mental illness that makes somebody kill somebody. Because otherwise, you'd have a lot more. The, the, the percentage of mentally ill people in the United States, there is more antidepressants, Prozac and the, and the like, consumed in the United States than the rest of the world combined. And it's not even close. It's like, you know, 20 or 30 or 50 to 1. Mental health medication? I mean, it's as that's as much of, of the drug trade. That's the legal drug trade in the United States. And, and of course, why do you have the illegal drug trade? The same thing. Because people are depressed. That's how they, that's how they make themselves happy. Getting themselves stoned. Under the influence, alcohol, coke, heroin, methamphetamines. The United States is filled with a bunch of unhappy people. But what tips the scales to make somebody who's unhappy go on a rampage and kill a bunch of innocent people? People they don't even have an axe to grind with, other than the color of their skin. Look, I know why certain gun violence takes place in a city urban gun violence and I know why some of that takes place I mean it makes more sense to me somebody who who robs somebody with a gun or uses you know violence to support themselves like the United States does I'm not saying it's right but I understand it I understand that mentality but the idea of hating a people and working it up in your mind to where you can justify killing I don't mean just putting on a on a you know military uniform and killing people blindly who you have no reason to to have any ill will towards other than what your commanding officer tells you to because that's not a whole lot different. When I, and I hear people say that, well, look, if you want to strap on an AR-15 or a, you know, an AK-47, you want to go kill people, put on a military uniform. You know, how crazy is that that somebody that that would be suggested? And that is suggested. And you know what? It's the same goddamn thing. You're just going to be radicalized by a bigger institution. Look, I, I, I'm not going to do multiple shows about these nuts who go out and kill a bunch of people. But I will tell people, you're not safe anywhere. So when you thought the Walmart was safe or maybe a night out in, you know, in your, at the bar scene, 
It's not just gay bars that are going to get shot up. No. I mean, the Garlic Festival, the Gilroy Garlic Festival. A six-year-old was killed in a bounce house. I mean, I don't know how you pursue happiness when you got to be um, scared to be in a pub uh, in, in a crowd. I mean, there's a lot of reasons not to like crowds, but none of those reasons should have been fear for your life. But that's what has been created in the United States with this culture or the lack thereof. So we need to rethink some of these, um, some of what is being spoon-fed to us. I mean, look, it's it's great for everybody to offer their thoughts and prayers, you know, every time one of these mass shootings takes place. And and then, you know, have a you know, a thirty day conversation about gun control that never happens. And when I hear somebody interviewed who says, um, they knew the shooter and they could see it coming. But the reality is nobody would lift a finger to stop it. Or felt they could. It's because, and I go back to something I talk about all the time on the show. It's a lack of community. We don't care about each other enough. And I don't mean across the diverse racial and ethnic lines. Even within the community, we don't care. We, we don't, we're, we encourage somebody to take a step off that cliff. We encourage somebody, oh yeah, go ahead, yeah, strap on a couple of, uh, AK-47s and big magazines and go kill some people. They're not going to be joined by anybody. Look, there's no... There's not enough bravery. There's not, there's not enough courage by Americans, U.S. citizens, to place themselves in harm's way, even for the, for the best of causes. But they'll look for somebody. They'll look for the weak link, somebody that they encourage to do something else, do something on their own. They aren't lone wolves. They're, those are sacrifices. This guy out in El Paso, he was a sacrifice to the group that he hung out with online talking about his white supremacy. If you want to be secure in your community, you have to have a sense of community. I always come back to that. So that's what I'll end it with. So I want to thank you for listening. Um, I am doing a show in New York this week, and I'm probably going to talk a little bit about some of this on that show in New York, too. That's a different audience, and, and I think some of those folks need to hear this conversation. But um, So I'll be in New York on Thursday. You can catch us on WBAI, um, or we'll be on Facebook Live again. And that's uh, Thursday at 4 p.m. Uh, so you can catch me and Shawnee Rice on uh, WBAI in New York City. And then, of course, we'll be back here on Saturday. I want to thank you for listening. And, um, you know, forget the thoughts and prayers. Let's take some action. Yahweh.